Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this is actually the second birthday episode of Bench Talk. Been party, around for two years. Party, party. So uh, thanks everyone that's been listening for uh, the last two years, if you've been there for all the episodes. If not, uh, thanks anyway. <laughs> um, today I'm catching up with Melbourne-based artists and comic artists. And I don't know, you do a lot of different things, don't you? Yeah, I'm sitting down here with uh, Fakaris. Hey, how are you going? Good. Nice to be here. Ah, thanks. Thanks for coming all the way to the studio. I know it's uh, on the opposite side of town from oh, yours. Damn. Jeez, that was hard. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm finally two. Yeah. <laughs> one a week, really? So mm. is that 104 episodes? Do you have a week off? Come no, on. I've had time off. Mm. I take Christmas off, mm-hmm. like a big chunk of Christmas, and then I take um, a chunk in the middle of the year off because I like to go overseas for a bit. And yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be overseas. You're so Australian. Well, what do you mean? Well, no, we we travel overseas. I just love that term. You know, others yeah. will say, "I'm going abroad." Oh yeah, that's a pommy pommy term. Yeah, going abroad. I'm going yeah. to, going to the continent. Yeah. I like to say when I go to Europe. Yeah, yeah. I thought, thought that was weird. This is a small percentage of uh, English people, of course. Yeah, so I don't fucking go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Like, I've always known you to be a, a big drawer, uh-huh. and um, I don't know you're one of those guys that's always drawing, mm-hmm. and um, and I know you paint a lot as well. And mm. I know you've. I, I met you, at think at Blender Studios. Is that about right? I reckon we met in Hosea Lane. I was oh, thinking this earlier as well. I mean, yeah. I recall first meeting you up in um, City Lights. Okay. Where I had a studio for a long time. Okay. Oh, for a while, and. Um, I guess, you know, when you say how to get into art, it's a great question to ask someone who does call himself an artist. I do call myself an artist. Hmm. I haven't always. Have you always called yourself an artist? Uh, no. Because I think when I was a kid, you know, like not even a teenager, there were signs, you know, other family members would go like, they're a bit strange or odd and they're creative because hmm. you know kind of in yourself that you're a bit different to maybe someone else in your family or in class. And so I've definitely always been inclined to make stuff and creatively inspired through life. But um, art, the word, man, it's deep. Come on. It's three letter words. It's explained in so many languages differently. And it's still, people are trying to work out what it is. But um, I think I really just got into art by uh, habit of really being from probably a lower economic single parent family and being encouraged to draw because you just need a pen and paper. So I've always just learned to draw almost as a exercise to relax or make time to um, remove yourself from your environment. So as I got, became a teenager, it was more about not wanting to go out and get hassled and all the you know shitty stuff that happens in lower economic environments and focus on drawing. So I was one of, and I became a closet in my teen years, like I wouldn't go out. We're still talking about this before and we're just catching up and, um, comics and then like someone at school like the teacher comics kind of extension of drawing and then someone at school the teacher was like i think you'd be good to uh leave school and get a job because you, you don't really look like you're enjoying all the rest of these things that you do at school so i sort of got into art encouraged by my mother and my art teacher mm-hmm. and did you like when you left school did you go straight into creative jobs Yes, I did. I went into um, drawing for what I was doing was drawing like a picture. Say the hotel had a a saloon or I know what do you call it, like a Western image that they had used. Maybe they just had a T-shirt left from the old design. 
they needed this. I remember this is one of the first jobs. I had to trace this design and get it looking right on like the overhead projector for a sign. They needed a new sign. Uh, the business was expanding, but I think originally they just had employer shirts and maybe a lighter. I remember there was a lighter, a matchbox involved and getting a small image and making it big. So mm. kind of creative. Mm. But at the time, this is as a 15 year old, I was like drawing favorite album covers on your mate's um, jumpers. So that was kind of, you know, an insight. Yeah. But geez, that's an open-ended question. We could talk for hours just about how you get into art, right? How did, how did you get into art? I can go back and find out on your podcast, can't I? Uh, I just like to draw. Yeah. I, I, was, I was shit at everything else. Really? Yeah. Or wow, I find that hard to believe, but it was the thing that stood out. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I'm dyslexic. I can't read or write very well. Uh-huh. And uh, whereas I really struggled in school. And it's like, yeah, I know I used to just hate it. Like, you know, they'll laugh at you. I'm left-handed as well, so I'd write on the, the chalkboard but wipe it off as I'm writing. and Special. Just oh. stuff like that. And then and just sick of being laughed at, you know. But when I got to art classes, it's like, oh, I can do this. And I'd get a pat on the back and go, wow, yep. never had that before. Yeah. So I liked it and stuck with it. Wow. <laughs> and do you find this comes out in a lot of people, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think with a lot of, um, like, you know, I think you're either uh, into words and numbers and things like that, science and all that, like academic stuff, or you're in, or you're a visual person, or sometimes you're both, or sometimes you're in the in the middle or whatever. But I notice a lot of the people I speak to on the podcast, they're always visual people. Like yeah. if you know, if you're reading a manual, you just look at the pictures. Yeah, you don't actually read what the text says. Yeah, that's why I like, I mean, I like IKEA manuals because there's no no writing. Yes. I bet you made that mistake as a graphic designer. Here, and you say that you're kind of like dyslexic, where I remember one of my first early jobs for a record shop when I was a kid was I spelt it wrong because I was more just like the design of the poster. Mm. Not the, it was called Rock and Rhythm, the shop, but the rhythm, I fucked up the spelling. And the guy's like, uh, what are you? You know, it's spelt wrong, but I just was like trying to get it all to fit on the page. Yeah. I've then done it countless times. I did like screen printing and um, sign writing sort of stuff for a while, or I did, uh, what do you call that, apprenticeship? But uh, yeah, early days was, I always did graffiti and comics when I was a teenager because they're like outside. So I was like alternative life. We're just talking about crystals and my mother's somewhat alternative. is a gray nomad and always like alternative living and we lived in some interesting places where that sort of stuff reminded me of, I guess at the time it didn't, wasn't about art. It was more about just like being interesting. Yeah. You know, and something else to talk about. Yeah, I've just noticed, um, even still till this day, I'll like I'll read someone's name, and I'll like I'll, I won't pronounce it right because I haven't stopped to actually take note of all the letters that are actually in there. Wow! Yeah, I'm pretty shit like that. <laughs> oh, that's I think these are plus things. Yeah, you know, and especially in this time we live in of um, conditions and people being placed under these labels, we're getting closer to what makes an artist more unique or more pronounced as a voice if you like because really it is just sort of an industry to a to a lot of people who may be listening to it it's good like that but it also is attached to like all sorts of uh, special humans that are quite unique in society that don't even think of industry Mm. i certainly didn't think of art as a a job Mm. i was just like enjoying craft you know making stuff being crafty and shit yeah yeah i didn't uh, see it as a job until recently yeah (laughs) I, I looked at, I even looked at friends of mine who were doing, living as artists, like 
back in the early 2000s and just thinking, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Because I, I, I saw it as being like hard and a struggle yeah. and everything. Whereas nowadays I don't see that. I see people thriving off it and it's, um, and a lot of people thriving off it. And, but usually the right people too. Yeah. The people who stuck with it. Yeah. Genuine. You know, it, it is disheartening. I recall, I didn't study art. But friends who did and went who were similarly minded or had the similar spirit and drive, and then they got disheartened by the fact that it may be uh, there was a time that art was perhaps sort of a little bit stitched up, if you like, mm. you know, kind of run by a certain crew or whatever. I think we're coming out, coming out of that a bit better nowadays. Yeah. And from a place like Australia, it was very competitive. You really had to be in the right place to be able to compete in this sort of marketplace of. Of big art right yeah yeah but i've found with australia is very supportive of the arts though because mm. i've tried to live as an artist in uh in london and also in um spain yeah and i struggled yeah whereas in australia people are um no it's i think it's easier to make it as an artist over here yeah. even you know you know what it's like because you do you get get a mural here or a project there and someone contacts you to do a job or something like i know i just find it's a it's easier to make a living off it here. And the government's really, um, like, puts a lot of initiatives in place as well. I agree. It sorts I, you out. There's one of the things I'm proud of to be in Australia, for sure. Mm. And um, there's definitely, you know, something to say about um, art from that, like, seeing the, all, all the oceans in between us and the rest of the world or whatever. Mm. That's a good thing sometimes. Yeah. And you realise that sometimes when you're in another place and they're like, whoa, didn't realise this exists in Australia. And we've got to a point now where the last 20 years... And more, of course, but the last one is especially for some of these, to me, that are outside us, like maybe graffiti or comics were not studied at uni. Even 20 years ago, it was kind of like, no way are you going to try and major in graffiti. Now they're like, you do graffiti, we'll, we'll let you in on special circumstances or whatever in the university because they're, they're, you know, they're institutions of knowledge. They understand this shit's worth something. Mm. Yeah. So you're, um, you're like, I old. know you. Yes, I'm old. <laughs> So you're old, and you're also uh, a comic book artist. Mm. Like, actually, you're not old because old's like ninety-eight years old. Shit. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. not there yet. Even then, it's, you, you get there's a lot to be said about words. Yeah. But um, but uh, like about them. you're like you're a comic book artist. Mm. Like uh, like I've always known you to be working in print. Like ever ever since like the early two thousands and stuff like that. Yeah. Like um, how have you gone with uh, like. You know, being being in like a, a print-based sort of arena, and then with like the internet coming in, and mm. you know, and people saying print's dead and all that type of stuff. You got to remember, I'm I'm kind of alternative. I'm interested in alternative cultures to it as well. So yeah. coming on a weird angle where once if I found as a comic book artist, I moved away from doing something that was expected, if you like. So I'm trying to move with the medium, but also experiment with it. Mm. And, but do, I do love print. Print's actually in my family. My, my grandfather was in, um, as an immigrant from Europe, was a, was a binder, book binder. And his, a bunch of his kids did printing. So it was kind of always around me. I realize this now through life, not being old, but as you get, you know, you learn more. And we always talk, they would talk about books, how it was bound, the smell of the ink, how it was done. So I've always had a love for it, actually. Mm. And um, I don't know, what was the question? Comic books. Yeah, like the, best, um, the finest medium. But do you find that uh, because you're in a specialty, so you're into specialist books and um, you know limited run print 
and everything. So, do you think that now that now that print has sort of died down a bit, mm. that it's it's not such a cluttered market for you? See, I don't think of the market, but when you say print is is dead, that's great, you know, isn't it? Because it, well, it's not dead, it, but you know, what I mean, like, where's all the magazines that you used to buy when you were younger? And well, if, I mean. We all use the internet. It's it's excellent. Mm. It's accessible. And right now we live in a great time for information like that, right? Mm. And when I say yeah, like limited runs, I'm not. It's I definitely love something that's rare. Uh, but when it's something that you just enjoy, even if it is mass produced, but somehow it's managed, you manage to get your hands on it. And there's like, wow, it was free, and there was millions of them. It's you know, it's it's great. I just love that medium of print and tactile uh, pieces, but. It's a really interesting subject right now too, because the definitely the mainstream of print is dead. Long live print thereon. Yeah. Afterwards. I mean, the romance of of print and the romance of art, it it will live forever. But the ultimate um, reality is like if you live in the underground or you live in the mainstream, sometimes and if something's dead, you want it to be dead so that you can do it properly. Small. I mean, small press as it were, has always been around. It was probably, you know, when printing started, what, and that, you know, with the industrial era made uh, printing a really important and major part of sharing knowledge, advertising and so on and business and everything. But the underground element of stuff will hopefully uh, continue to keep it interesting. You know, so print for me is well and truly alive. It's only better, you know, something like the internet enables us to distribute small press without having the marketplace to clutter it. And the hardest thing is when you have to compete, you know, with that sort of stuff, those bigger companies that make print on a mainstream level, that are really big businesses, I'm not saying they make good or bad, it can be anything, right? But if they're gone or they're, you know, they struggle to make the same sort of um, income, then there's room for other things to break through. And people, I just think there's always people interested in it. A, mm. a book or a good print uh, piece is, is, uh, is an art form just like any other. Yeah. You know, when you talk about a painting or uh, installation, a mural or large sculptures, those are all related. Mm. And it's almost like, um, I feel it's having a resurgence like vinyl, if you know mm. what I mean, like yeah. people buying records again and, you know, because it was a long time that was on a decline and, yeah. you know, now it's all picking back up. I remember, you know, I bumped into you the other day at Record Store Day yeah. in Melbourne and I was chatting to a friend. They said, yeah, when this record store day started, there was like five record stores yeah. just to sort of help support the scene. Yeah, it was a massive like, the other day. Now there's like 50 of them. It was excellent. Like huge. Yeah. But you know that there's still only so many records. I mean, there could be a heyday of that. It's a... Yeah, it's a, it's definitely um, on my mind a lot. You know, people talk about that like print is dead. And there's definitely a lot of uh, printers. So I do think about it a bit with... Mm. You know, I make editions uh, 3,000 that are kind of... I was just talking about that one that's like distributed lightly, but we want to make it as popular as possible, but the subject matter is unedited and something that we feel is, is something to discuss, you know. And other ones that I'll make, yeah, that'll just be like 50 copies that are a test for something that I want to do something else with or just for the love of the medium to try mm. something in a screen printing or... I've known, you know, I've known your art for a long time and I've been really curious. I've never actually spoken to you about it, but I was wondering who these like characters with the, like the gas masks and stuff like that are. Mm. And what's that? What what's is that gas that? mask? Yeah, I often, I, I don't really have a name for it. I think for a while I went through calling this character the worker 
and maybe I felt um, going back to the outsider or the alternative to uh, even something that is already um, on the alternative spectrum, like comics might be to art. The character came about maybe with um, everyone drawing physical versions of themselves and a lot of work uh, and autobiographically, it's a good way to tell a story. It's you, the person talking. I thought this, this character might be more interesting. But I don't know, probably I just saw it somewhere, I don't know. But the mask thing sort of takes away who, who's talking and it brings you more into the subject. And I guess I kind of like the shapes, you know? Because if you like making things and the shapes just kind of made sense. And definitely running around with certain people, it seemed like something, it just came out naturally when I was squirting, you know, using tins and it's just like, I remember painting with fibs and like, man, look at those lines. And then that character for me made sense. Like some of the straight lines and the round bits and I was just learning cutbacks and just enjoying that medium, you know, painting on any old surface. And that probably coming, that's probably where you've seen those when I was squirting them around. Yeah, I've seen, uh, but then even, um, you know, you've given me like, uh, like publications that you've made and everything. And I've oh, seen yeah, a lot of you, and even on your Instagram, you've got lots of drawings on. I go through uh, stages, I'm obsessed yeah. with it because mm. it, it means even something more. Like once you start doing something enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for some, it's like a letter. For for others, it, it might even be still life, where you just paint a certain scenery and you just see more and more within it. But um, taking that character into any form is really kind of easy for me to have fun with it. And I've definitely evolved in different ways from other things that you see. Like I have simple versions or versions might use in certain types of print. Many you don't show anyone, and I've been enjoying them as like a simple. You know, like we're saying we draw every day, but some days we're like, I'm going to work on some pieces of that character. And I've made a couple of, uh, I've done a couple of shows with them now and like just trying to just focus on that character. And one I did was using photos from the internet of war scenes, people in war, in emotional, I'd look up, just look into the internet of um, emotional scenes from war and then redraw that characters instead of drawing it as I see it, drawing that character, the masked character and taking away the race, taking away the age and turning it into like something else and enjoying that. And so that's what I've been sort of focusing with that. That's probably what, you know, on Instagram is some of those pictures and I haven't posted a great deal of them, but I've done tons and I'm like, I want to put them more in a context where someone would see it could say, this could be a war scene, but it could also be like a bad party or, you know, depending on their own, uh, you know what they're thinking about at the time yeah and you are like you draw every single day don't you like you're always drawing every single day Tom. yeah every, any single moment yeah i've always known you to just be like drawing and drawing even when you showed up here you had like a clipboard with paper on it and a pen just doodling ideas always yeah Were you, do you take the um, train over here and drive I, on the train? I rode into town i'm going to see some shows take this opportunity to see some other displays and check out some stuff did my mail this morning did some drawing like when i wake up i did some drawings i was drawing whenever possible mm. i made brekkie this morning in our little house i'll make make some drawings while i'm waiting you know for the coffee to come up or whatever i've got i got books everywhere in my house in my studio bits of paper everywhere i'm a little bit like um i've definitely had people who aren't artists come over and go uh okay like in my studio at home it's just like light boxes and desks but often if I'm busy on something, I'll just redraw stuff and there'd just be like paper everywhere. I love that feeling, man. Mm. You'd love it. I love it too. Yeah. 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 I mean, most of us do who are creatively minded because even the space has a, an energy that can change regularly depending on what you're working on or whatever. Mm. And comics for me just are just like an incredible medium. They're so 
low budget and I can work on them all the time like that and feel like I'm redrawing. But I guess the ego gets in the way we just sort of, sometimes I don't want to share it, you know, or you just feel like it's not ready. I need to make it better, which I'm trying to overcome though. Yeah. As far as drawing, because yeah. Um, if anyone listening, you know, you love to draw, you go through stages, right? And I'm sure it, plenty of people could relate where you look back on 10 years ago and just go, what? And then you might in 10 years time again, you might look back on them and go, that means something still. So you sort of, it's important to keep drawing, I reckon. Yeah. Splitting up, like you have here, like sometimes you have books that are of a style or, you know, there might be for a body of work or something that's relevant. And so you, you're working on something, go I'll pull out that certain notebook that's got stuff on, you know, in it. Mm -hmm. And writing as well. It's like, yeah, that sort of thing. Keeping, keeping a pen walking. <laughs> keep the pen walking. I'll keep the pen walking, yeah. not walking and writing. Yeah. Or, you know, take the pen for a walk. You ever heard that term? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it'll be... Like, the studio I'm at for the last few years is this incredible jungle at the back um, that Felix, one of the artists there, has created over the years. And well, just any chance, if you're having a coffee or something, I'll just be drawing those trees and the jungle leaves because there's so much mm. to take in and out of. Just drawing just so enjoyable. Yeah, I did the um, interview with Haha -Ha out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who do you, who do you share a studio with? Uh, so that's studio at the moment. I'm about to move out in a couple of months. I've been there a few years, which is usually long enough for me. But there's about 10 people. It's an excellent space. Been there a long time. But there's a lot of different people in there. Did you meet anyone else there? Uh, no, Adnate's there and um, and Haha, -Ha, and that's it. Young Deems. Oh, yeah. He's great. Love his stuff. There's a wood, wood maker there. Uh, you know, wood player. I don't know. Carpet. I don't know if you say that. Mucks around with wood. And his partner who does mucks around with glass. They're really interesting. Good energy. There's a painter, Nick, Nick Ives. Amazing. I invited him to be there. He also does framing. Um, and, and there's some of the guys who've been there. Like one guy's been there over 20 years or something like um, Rob, who's a lighting designer. My partner's a lighting designer. And so it's been a really good space. Mm. Yeah, it's good, man. Nice to see North Melbourne. North Melbourne, yeah. So where are you looking to move Fair after away. that? I have got an interesting, it's more of a private space. I mean, I'm quite a social person, so part of my drawing is also collaborating. That's probably, I'm sure that's how we met as well. Yeah. I met you in a collaborative studio, because um, as I recall, I remember um, City Light Studio being, you know, a really good open office plan, and some of the people I met then are still tight with and still see regularly who even just drop in, you know, it was, it was a really interesting time in Melbourne, early 2000s, I reckon, and Hosea Lane, of course, anyone listening mm. to this podcast would know Hosea Lane is the bloody circus. Of artists in whole other way, right? Mm. They sort of, sort of, sort of build up and fall apart and explode and change all different um, angles. Yeah. But um, the collaborating side in studios is, um, I find that really important. But I think I'm time to um, lock the door and work away. Even though I have a home studio, but I'm definitely I'm moving into a space that is uh, going to be special. I'll mm. tell you when it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, like thinking back to. The, like the art hub that was in the CBD back then. I was talking about it the other day with mm. Tom Civil, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and just how, like, back in those early 2000s, like, the art hub of Melbourne was the CBD. Mm. And there's, like, Hosea Lane was just starting to get a few... get some painting done down there. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know, I remember even painting bare bricks down there. Oh, like, yeah. Things like that. And, uh, 
Perth is weird to say it now. It's like on a, part of know, growing up. Mel- it? Melbourne tourism. <laughs> it's it's like so people get their wedding photos done down there. It's like oh, I mean, Jesus. I recall it was always like that. And actually, um, the guy who I rent the studio off in North Melbourne, he has a really interesting history with the city as well. He was brought up in North Melbourne, and he showed me photos of. Um, what he considered the first graffiti sort of murals or, you know, graffiti artists who were doing stuff more than for a couple of minutes or something mm-hmm. around the city. And um, it is really interesting because any city is, of course, and a rich place like Melbourne. I mean, I was in that space when Fed Square was being built, which is still such a strong memory, you know, meeting people that, yeah, the, the things, the different things people took advantage of or didn't even realize some of the other things that you would know for the rest of your life. It was a really uh, good city, all right? Mm. very I mean now it's like whoa it's just growing so quickly isn't it the last five years have been epic in this town yeah epic for development and stuff and it really is still a, a place where you can go and see art but not the same sort of quality really eh mm. Mm. so like even, even though you are you draw a lot mm. like you also like to paint as well I take it that's why you did your studio space and things like that kinda like, yeah there's so many reasons to. I've always had a studio um, like since I moved to Melbourne and in the um, 90s, I had a studio in Fitzroy and um, and I learned a lot from, I was invited in as a comic book artist by some girls I knew who did um, fashion stuff, screen printing and had a really big space, but it was a classic sort of, oh, we need someone. How about, yeah, your boyfriend, he's, he could, it's about time he rented a studio. And I moved in and shared a studio and it turns out the guy I was with was this New Zealand comic book artist but he was painting and he was living here giving it a break you know giving it a good hard go should I say trying to get a break in Melbourne this is 97 and I'm a naive bloody shiny kid and um, went in there and I was doing paste ups and I was just drawing like a man I was just trying to get my comic zines anywhere possible and they still had Brunswick Street Art Market or whatever it was called at the time Brunswick Street Festival it's just you know there was no OH&S it was really good times for it and shit was just random really fun and that was 20 years ago I just realized the other day and I'm like I, I've been in shared studios so you're encouraged by other people to learn from them and um, you know long story short studio side of it is something that I've always enjoyed with like using it for different reasons so the studio the last few years I've, I've used studios as a couple of things because I do a bit of mail order with this small press kind of use them as storage because it's a ton of crap you know print that often is crap because we're like, shit, we printed too many of these. Got to get rid of them or something. And as a storeroom, as display to encourage and exchange with other artists. So meeting other artists from other countries, other states. And when they're visiting and instead of them sort of crashing on your couch or whatever, you know, when you're younger, they get to a level where you're sort of like, you can launch something at my space or use the space in any way you like. And it's, it's a turn studio into more like a common space. Hmm. And so I've used it like that as well. And it's been really fun. Mm. But I reckon that's that's what I'm saying. Like that chapter is done for me. <laughs> it's kind of gone forever. Yeah. Do you, um, do you exhibit a lot of your art? Do I exhibit? Well, it I do, but not. it's not my main focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something I love. Like everyone loves a space with art that's working, right? Mm. But um, I've never really focused on... An art career, if you like. Yeah. 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 I did a show last year at a place in Moona, but they were all studies. I have got um, 
you know, I've done, I like did a show last year also in Toulouse in France, but it was a comic. It was six pages from this comic that, that was being launched over there, which tied in with other stuff. But I've never been that sort of person who has built up. I used to exhibit a lot up until about 2004. I went and lived in Canada. And when I came back, I was like, I want to do comics more. But, you know, it's a, it's a kind of addictive thing, isn't it? Wanting to make finished pieces. Mm. especially when you visit friends and like ah mm, fresh pieces you know you're about to work on these it is a beautiful thing yeah it's different to just having a large sheet of paper stuck on the desk yeah yeah it's, it is interesting because I've been um, I've been working on like lots of big canvases and mm. big uh, like boards and frames and stuff and then these when I so do good, something man. something small on, uh, yeah. on paper it's like I don't know for me it's just more like a drawing you know yeah even if I've painted it with a brush and all that I mean this again exhibiting you know, there's so many ways to look at it, mm. and um, it is a beautiful thing. It's really often the space and and the uh, you know the time you have for it as well. Well, like even talking about going to see the show to start with that I'm excited about. It's a video work or whatever. You know, there's a lot of time put into that. They're exhibiting it in a major way. You know, international work that's um, still going to you know it's coming from a similar sort of place, like someone's studio and something you know about their past work and all that helps, of course. Mm. But yeah, I don't really exhibit uh, as much as I'd like to, really. And But the last few group shows I've been I'm like, I don't know if I need to do that. I don't really want to like just be also thinking of like art as a career or anything either. So if you, I think if you've got shit that you've got to do, like a whole bunch of stuff, it wouldn't be too hard to find something interesting to do with it if you felt like it. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So like with, like with your career, like when people ask you what you do, what do you say? Yeah, it's a strange word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I'm a visual artist. Is kind of what I say. Yeah. In that visual field, you know, I'm freelance. I've been freelance for seven years, but I've done all sorts of jobs related to it. And I feel like I know different things about what art is. Um, so, yeah, that's what I say. Or depending on the, the who's asking you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you <laughs> it give could them. be a smart ass. So definitely like mystery because life is uh, full of questions, right? So you can give them back another question. Yeah. When they ask you, you know, what do you do? You're like, why would you ask that question? It's kind of one of the worst things you can ask someone. What's your job? Where do you live? Kind of like, whoa. Yeah. It's funny because people say, oh, a job doesn't define a person. But no, it depends on what you do. Yeah. Like I find that being an artist, like... If people are going to ask me either, what do I do or what am I into? Yeah. It's going to be the same answer mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be, you know, making a living off my passions. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, but those passions can change as well. And that's, that's a good answer, I guess. I yeah. mean, it's more, you know, I often say I'm an art fag because I definitely feel strange. I've always felt um, good. You want to empower queerness in any way to say like the odd person is interesting. And somewhere along the line, uh, that term was kind of maybe maybe because I was um, brought up in that sort of working class background where there's no such thing as an artist who has a job, you know. And even though you're saying it is a great place to be an artist, we're living a good time and we have so many opportunities, and especially if you have your health and your well-being, you know, go for it. But along the way, if you want to, you can be cynical about people's opinion of being an artist in Australia, can't you? It's, mm. it's hilarious. Yeah. You got a, you know, someone in your family who's a farmer or comes from a, uh, working for the boss only. Like, how do how do you explain being self-employed, let alone being an artist or an art fag? We do stuff it's like what, you know, you work with who, you know, that's awesome. And you want to sort of, I want to 
encourage them to know more about it if you get that chance. Mm. But yeah, generally, you know, being um, a self-employed artist is is a handful of things. It's a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You've been um, you've been also getting a lot of mural work, though, haven't you? Like doing your okay, bright, I mean, colorful. I, I should have should have been doing it a lot earlier. I think I've gone between a few things, mm. dude. So, but I love painting. But I definitely I love to try different stuff. Love painting outdoors. Love the the idea of um, public space being used by artists for sure on so many levels. Yeah, but you know, as a painter, I've only sort of in the last few years fell into a sort of thing that I feel like I can exper- experiment more with, and still people might recognize it as something that I've done. I never even signed any murals. Like my first sort of paid commission mural was painting Movida back in 2004, 2005. And from there I did lots of different murals, but I never photographed them. I never did. I, I sort of looked as like bonus for like doing other stuff that someone had asked me to do it because you're painting over this graffiti problem. You know what I mean? You're like, ah, whatever. I'm not going to try and take props for something that's pretty much a cop out. So murals are, you know, but that said, you know, the first sort of museum sort of like I did a show in Linden in 2002 and the gallerist at the time, I can't remember, the curator of the space, she said, um, you really got to do a um, mural on the wall. All the galleries are doing it. You take, we had the whole space, I had a residency there and it had four rooms. And at the time it was, I think it was before it was like an art center or whatever, but um, they were like, you've got to paint a mural. I'm like, shit, I haven't really painted a mural. And um, I think one of the rooms had some guys come over who got like, got on the booze and tagged out one of the rooms to like mess up some of the, you know, the look of the gallery. But then this one wall was just like painted a mural. So I started just looking up in the library muralists and got the, you know, the classics. And um, I realized it's been a big part of any sort of artwork for a long time, isn't it? It coincides and then meeting people through Jose Atlanta like shit people take this real seriously what they're doing you should really focus on it more mm. but uh, I, I've only in the last few years I did a project in um, Sumatra years ago drawing and I got a bit obsessed with the jungles I had some time to look in the jungle and it just blew my mind maybe it was all the acid I had as a kid but it just blew my mind I saw this metaphors galore in the jungle it's just a beautiful inspiring natural habitat and I was just drawing like, I was drawing in the day for this job, but then I was just drawing at night in the morning, just something that's, you know, I got this jungle fever. And then I just, I just couldn't stop, you know, and you get that great bug. And I've just never stopped wanting to draw leaves and study plants in a, but in an abstract sort of taking the pen for a walk sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. But they're the kind of murals I've been focusing on more. Yeah, I've noticed. It's like, yeah. like if I had have seen them, I would never have like thought it was you doing it. Yeah, well, good. But now that I've seen them and now I've seen your drawings, like, they're yeah. similar. It's like, oh, I, I get it now. But when I first would have seen them, I would never have put two and two I together. would say the same for some of the stuff you're doing now from yeah. when we first met. Because, you know, hopefully people do evolve. Yeah. And it's fine when they don't. And they devolve in a certain thing that they're, they're obsessed with also, you mm. know, passionate about. But, yeah, there's something that happened to me with the jungle. I've done comics on it as well. And the shapes. It was the light and the heat. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Mm. Um, but I've all, yeah, I've, I've really, I've done a lot of drawings in that, um, 
headspace and mm. yeah i've got one to do next week that i'm really excited to get going on there's something also about greens isn't there yeah there is something magical about jungles mm. i've spent a fair bit of time in jungles as well yeah like yeah i camped out in the amazon for Damn. 10 days which, just, which just part uh bolivia far out yeah 10 days yeah just in a tent oh man it's uh, oh, pretty interesting see, that's a joy yeah that didn't see much wildlife saw like a lot of bugs yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a lot of bugs and stuff but um no, it was good fun. Did you expect and to go? Because this one time we went looking in this short amount of space that was in Sumatra for elephants. Mm-hmm. And we saw the, the, um, the loads or the, the dung is the word I'm looking for. Elephant dung. But we were probably a few hours behind them. But these guys were like, to find the elephant is pretty exciting. Yeah. Did you go looking for something like that? Or uh, was... when, I saw a lot of monkeys and some wild pigs. Mm. Um that's like I don't know. Like there was this guy Pedro that was showing us around, yeah. and um, yeah, he took us on the boat in there, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But uh, like I don't know, there was other times I was in the jungle in like um, Colombia. Oh yeah, and saw a lot more out there. Like lived up in the hills for a bit as well in wow. Colombia, and like just with a, um, a little fa- family that built their own house. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, cool. I remember you mentioning this too. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They they had a coffee farm, and they did. How they, did you meet the family? Um, we went we were in the region and did a tour of the coffee farm. Okay, like just as a tourist group thing, because okay. that's how like the, not they, as an artist. No, nah, that's how they make money. Yeah, and then um, but the funny thing is they lure you in to say, oh, you know, come to visit a traditional coffee farm. Yeah. Then you get there, it's not traditional at all. And what they've done is they've bought over all these land that was cleared for dairy farming. Yeah. Of the dairy yeah. industry, and then um, what they're trying to do is kill off all that like harsh grass that they planted and grow a forest back that, like it was originally there. Mm. So they planted all these like um, quick growing shady trees to kill off all the grass, and in between this jungle he's made, he's um, he's uh, planted coffee beans in there as well. Mm. And so it's instead of coffee just growing in rows, he has coffee grow how coffee should grow, which is like uh, tangling right. itself around trees and. Wow. stuff like that so yeah i was helping him just like just plant trees and kill off um all the grass and yeah just grow this big forest he'd, he'd made this massive forest but he was still a lot more to work on oh man yeah. and is this kind of paying for your accommodation or was it also yeah like we that, that was you... yeah i just worked on the farm to pay for accommodation and f- and food and that and, and we go trade like, coffee yeah and, and like he had like avocado trees and stuff mm. like that so we'd trade like fruit and coffee with the local farmer for like next door neighbor for some yogurt or something like that and Yum. you know the other person down the street for something else and yes. everything was just trading you know oh what a place yeah and to get to like a the nearest like little town you had to take like a four-wheel drive down these like harsh like muddy dirt roads for yeah. like hours you know yeah. yeah it was really cool yeah how long just, were you there for uh nearly a month oh man yeah yeah that was cool that's uh, excellent yeah, then there was a, yeah. Then, were you drawing every day then? Yeah, I was drawing every day. Yeah. Like, because he had two daughters as well. So yeah. they were teaching them English and they were, like, helping uh, us with our course. Spanish and stuff. Yes. And, yeah. But then went to the jungle, um, another part you of the jungle. Work in the forest as well? Doing the coffees? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was doing more digging and heavy load yeah. stuff, but she was doing other stuff as well. Yeah. A lot of planning and all that. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Just imagine a month. Yeah. That was good. That would stick with you forever. Yeah. Yeah. Saw some other parts of the jungle we camped out in as well. Like, went trek, went for his trek to the, this lost city in Colombia. Damn. And we got stranded in the jungle there. And that Whoa. was, yeah, because like these torrential rains came through and 
like flooded the jungle and we were stuck on like an island in, oh, the, in the jungle. Damn. Yeah. Nearly, nearly had to get airlifted out. It was crazy. And what had you get out of it? Uh, the rain went down a bit and then we could cross the rivers. But instead of like these little streams that were waist deep, they were like, like rapids. That, so we had to like make like pulley system to get across and stuff like that. Man, everything yeah. just comes and goes there so yeah. quickly. Yeah, it's good fun though. And you do know. you think that was unusual? Was it kind of like still? Yeah, yeah, they were like saying this is really unusual. Yeah, and it was like crazy area as well because um, there's lots of like uh, cocaine labs and stuff up in the jungle there. Yeah, I bet. so it was just um, it was just a couple of us, and then um, and then we had a guide who knew the way around. But then we had these two guys with machine guns, Whoa. like um, sort of bodyguards, because like people get kidnapped in there and stuff like that. Yeah. <sighs> Man. But it was just cool, just like, like sleeping. Drawings. Yeah, yeah. Did a lot of drawing because we were stranded for a bit as well. But it's like you, you sort of get to a place where there'll be like a little makeshift shelter built, and then you just string up a hammock between two two trees and sleep the night. Yeah. And yeah, just did that for I don't know about a week and a half. Damn. Yeah, it was supposed to be a week, but we were like three or four days over. And you I'd, lost track of time, or no, no, because of the rain. Oh and all yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy time. Forced to lose track of time. Yeah, well, it was cool. Like we we didn't really like, see any problem with it yeah. so much. Like, but the, it was the uh, the people that like were take had taken us there. They were freaking out because we were running out of food and running Damn. out of like all sorts of stuff. You yeah. know, no no clean water to drink and all that type of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just like the old days. Yeah, we had like a donkey walking with us with all the stuff on its back. Oh yeah, yeah. But it didn't actually run out of it. You were just getting close. Got got really close. Yeah. Yeah, they said if it was if the rain didn't die down for one more day, like we would have had to get airlifted out of there because <laughs> there was not enough like you know supplies to get us back. Yeah, yeah, but it was funny. Like I um I did the whole trek like in a pair of gum boots. Whoa! Because um and all the locals were giving me the thumbs up, going yeah, they're the smart shoes. And then the other people had these like fancy like hiking boots and that. And everyone was soaked. Like, Man, you're walking like shin deep through mud the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how did you, so the wildlife, it wasn't like no one got attacked too bad. Nah, nah, no one really got attacked. Wow. Because yeah. there's so many versions of like... That, that photo there, that's what that's, that's, that is. Yeah, yeah, that was um, lunchtime one day with the guy with the gun making lunch. He's got more yeah. than fancy hiking boots on. He's got a military getup, yeah? Yeah, Look yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, he's ready for it. He's like um, <laughs> the real bear. What's that guy? Bear Grylls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to call you Tom Grylls, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> I did a comic about the jungle. I got a bit obsessed with this metaphor. Have you ever seen that film Fitzcarraldo? The Herzog film? It's incredible. And, the, you know, the 10 years of the making and the metaphor of, like, the opera going into the jungle, which is kind of like, you know, taken from the story of an Irish pirates are stealing rubber from the from the um, Amazon tribes and taking it into the world to you know to the to industrialize the world if you like rubber just changed everything like art changes everything and art is for everybody you know and this comic is kind of about that but I called it Useless Pilgrim this this French publisher put it together and it's well the, it was just in four pieces and I put it together it's just kind of this it become it's it's more about like being an Australian and trying to survive as an artist in a way it's one metaphor and having to ask either rich people for money or the council or something like, you know, not ask straight up, but like, how do you survive? To the metaphor of looking in the jungle, literally just drawing jungle because I was obsessed with drawing them. Um, but yeah, the comic, uh, I should have brought you some. I'm just sorry, I forgot to bring some uh, 
paper goods. No dramas. But I could look at it here and you could hear that sound of paper. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did a comic about it, the jungle, mm. as a metaphor for looking through the day-to-day hustle to just find a desk. Mm. You know, and really the, you know, the, the drive for me is to just find, it's just, I'm at my finest, best mood in life when you're sitting at a desk. It's just such a simple pleasure. Mm. I find you need to mix it up though. Oh, for sure. Desk too much. Like, I don't want to be at the desk all the time, but no. it's just like such a pleasure. Just feel, I just mm. feel so privileged to sit at a desk. Yeah. Like since I've started um, like working for myself as an artist, I've, I've really found that, um, you know, I don't work on weekends, mm-hmm. but then I, I get to like Sunday night or even Monday morning. I'm really excited to get into the studio. Oh, so man. Like, oh, man. I'm going to I'm gonna oh, go yeah. in. I'm going to paint this picture. <laughs> like, yes. I just, I can't wait, you know. It's, oh, man. Uh, I mean, I mix it up. Don't get me wrong. I've been yeah. making music, paintings, you know, making books. I also love to design like small, strange books as well. So do collections, anthologies, mm-hmm. uh, which is talking about doing that. That one you were in 15 years ago when we met. Yeah. 15 years ago, what? Jesus. Time flies when having fun. But to do another one, I love stuff like that, like organizing strange things together. Um, you know, so that's the Silent Army Collective. I've given it that name. And over the years, and I started it with um, equally passionate friends back in the day when we were kids. And, and they've since gone on to, re- re- kind of broke apart, I guess, over the years. But we started out with like um, government support, like Australia, Oz Council, supporting it as graphic novels was kind of the term starting then. You know, comic books turned into graphic novels was not just not just for kids, kind of for everybody, you know. And it was just kind of growing here in Australia 15 years ago. But um, when I went and lived overseas, unfortunately, some stuff happened. Life got in the way and some of the grants that the guys had got that we were going to do, someone else moved overseas, someone else had life issues like that family family stuff and um the grants weren't completed and so didn't do grants as a group for for a while but um that's always been a passion of mine as well as another thing is organizing and collaborating that's like the studio space and using that almost like a clubhouse yeah hang out shoot the shit you know play it off legit see what we can do together yeah we're greater in numbers totally yeah as long as those people are willing to put in well, yeah, and that's yeah. what you work out as well. But yeah. there's always other people to meet. And, you know, again, how lucky we are. Like, Melbourne is a great place. People come and go all the time, right? And if you've been around long enough, it's kind of a little easier for us if you've been here for a while. Wow. You've got already things established and stuff. Yeah. But I really enjoy doing that too, just organizing a little bit. Mm. Like, you've done a lot of um, projects overseas and stuff. Mm. Well, I know. I, every time I speak to you, you seem to be... Just, True, just going somewhere or just coming back or whatever. Yeah. Is that all through like grants and art projects? Some. Um, the You know, as far as um, working on comics and, you know, related storytelling through illustration and picture books and that sort of stuff, there's definitely been more support because that's really my background. Um, and yeah, I've been working with some other people. I'm excited that like, next year I'm working on a book with the European publisher of Silent Army. And I guess Silent sort of started as me in Melbourne saying to the rest of Australia, we do lots of shit here. Let's remember, like, Melbourne's really good. You know, let's see what's in Australia as, as this medium. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, with a bit of a break and thinking about it more, it's also saying as Australian, what we do is different to other countries as well. And, you know, you've got to go there to see what they're doing too. And we have a, you know, smaller history. 
but a rich culture of it, right? So there's so much good stuff and so many possibilities. So we really have some interesting stuff coming out. And so this awesome publisher, they're going to put together, they've done one on, they're based in Latvia and they've done one on um, New York. They've done one on Tokyo. Gonna do one on Melbourne. Cause yeah, Melbourne is a special place for this sort of work. Mm. So that's exciting. But yeah, the last few years have definitely spent time with communities like similar art communities. I would say Silent Army Collective is, you know, community per se. There's people that you can call and that you know and that you can trust and work with, not only just on projects, but also just in life even, you know, become friends, right? And so in parts of Europe and parts of Asia. And this year I'm going again to Asia to work with some groups there and I want to learn more with like bookmaking, yeah, as a craft, like screen printing and binding and learning more with like how to make that book's a bit more interesting. You know, one thing here, as you would know, is like like the cost of things, you know, yeah. and imagine the bill being less if it's not even for that our audience, if you like, is or readership in this case is, is probably a bit smaller than some of the, you know, other places. Mm. So being able to work together on that is good. So wanting to make stuff maybe not so much focused on profit, even just on an interesting product that we still have some here, but send it to other places so we can continue to do more. You know, Silent is non-profit. I don't want to, if any money we make, is to go back and to make something more interesting mm. and, and move in with it. But yeah, I've done some stuff. Like last year, I did a really exciting residency with a comics library in uh, Lisboa, in uh, Olavash. Did you ever go there? Up in the, it's kind of like Box Hill or something of... Uh, Lisbon? No, I've been to Lisbon, but yeah. not to the uh, outskirts. You know, it's got one of, you know, it's just kind of like the spread. Yeah. But it's Portugal. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Not the Box Hill isn't awesome, but I mean, <laughs> it's it's a library that's just like comics, you know? So I, I spent two weeks there, and yet um, I managed to get support from the Australia Council to go there to develop my knowledge of this, you know, somewhat outsider medium. It's not really... There are some people doing it academically, but have a different take. They're not involved the same. And so uh, it's an incredible community working with there as well for something later on. Who's, who knows where it'll go, but really inspired by that work. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So um, like, do you have any uh, other future plans and projects on the go? Jogja. Jogjakarta. Yeah. You were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go there and work on... Um, some good stuff. I did some work with the group Survive Garage, and I don't know. There's just so much in that, so much in Jakarta. You've never been there either. No, I've only been to Bali in Indonesia. And we're talking about meeting up in Borneo somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much to explore with, you know. Especially like have, I love to have a paint where it's not like you don't have to take a photo and doing a mural like for like meeting people on the street. And like, oh, you're different or whatever. You know, yeah, I'm Australian or something. You don't speak the language. And like, you know, you tend to make friends differently, right? When you're in another place. Yeah. And especially if you've got someone who's already like your friend there who's lent you their motorbike or something like that, and you can hang out, then you're sort of part of the crew for a little bit or that you've taken on a bit better than a tourist who's just kind of taken photos of everyone or whatever. Mm. And I just kind of want to contribute a bit time-wise to the environment and add something, you know, and I feel like it's good to just do that, hang out there a bit, but also you know, work, work with that exchange. So I've had friends, you know, there's so much exchange between Jogja, Carter and Melbourne mm. already in different arts. 
different, you know, forms of art. So or build on that with the, you know, the graphics sort of stuff, illustration, murals, drawing, all that shit related to drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And um, so if someone wanted to, you know, check out your art online, where's the best place for them to see it? Bogano. Bogano. Bogano.bandcamp. No, yeah. the best, no, I do, I do have a website. Yeah. Ficaris Art. F-I-K-A-R-I-S-A-R-T dot com. Check it out. Yeah. I've tried to make that um, somewhat usable. Not as good as your website. No. You've, you've done web development as well. No, I haven't. It's just all Squarespace. Shit. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> you are so good with graphics though, man. Anyway, it just there's so many... It, a good, in my opinion, a good sort of artist is, you know, the art that we enjoy has many hats they can wear and mm. bring it into the, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah. But yeah, for Karis Art is my website. And silentarmy.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find out more about that sort of stuff. It's, you know, knowledge without classism no, yeah. I shouldn't say that you know education used to be free here art education as well and some people got to do that and didn't think it was that valuable but it, it really is a good thing to have time to learn more and exchange you know ideas and culturally learn from each other's backgrounds and all that as well mm. and do you have an Instagram most people are on Instagram these days so. of course I have yeah I have an Instagram I don't use it I mean I think it's for Karasite as well yeah turn it back to that and it's a um it's a kind of a mishmash, yeah. But yeah, look on Instagram for Carasite, please. Let's follow each other. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guests, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guests' artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.